You're listening to the podcast of Always Forward, the church planting initiative of the Anglican Church in North America, helping plant gospel-centered, sacramental, missional churches. For more information and resources, please visit always-forward.com. Hey, church planners, this is Sean McCain. We have recently returned from the Provincial Assembly up in Wheaton, Illinois, for the Anglican Church in North America. We've got to meet so many of you. Dan and I were talking um, and just reflecting on how many people we got to meet who listen to our podcast, who have been blessed by the conversations we've been having. And it was such an encouragement for us to get to know you, to hear some of the stories of the things that you all are working on, God has called you to, and to see how we can continue to encourage and support and pray for you as you continue your work. Thank you so much for all who came up and said hello and introduced yourselves. It was really a pleasure. We also were involved in the Always Forward breakout sessions for the subconference at at the assembly, and uh, we got to meet so many of you there as well. It was overall an incredible time, and we hope that you were encouraged by um, our time together. What we have for you in the coming weeks, these episodes for our podcasts, are a lot of the conversations that we had, some of them planned, some of them not planned. Um, with folks at the assembly. You're going to totally love them because they pick up the conversation kind of right where we left off, dealing with planting sacramental gospel-centered missional churches um, in the kind of context that we're working in. So we hope that these are a blessing to you. We, we think that they will be, and we hope you enjoy them. First of all, we have the venerable canon... Dr. Jack Luminong. And then we have the Reverend Canon, not a doctor, Alan Hawkins. (laughs) But you should say he's Canon Canon because he's. uh, I'm triple Canon. You're a double double barrel Canon. I'm a triple. Triple. Triple Canon. Yes. So for. I am a Canon first in the Diocese of Gahini. Correct. Then I was made a Canon. For the province, and then a canon missioner for the diocese so, of Christ our hope. But you know you can only be called canon once. I know. Okay. But I would prefer my new business cards to say <laughs> oh my gosh. triple. You want to pretentious. Superscript three or times. Because I really care about my title, <laughs> right? <laughs> I use it all the time. Please call me Alan. He, I, well, why is it that whenever I'm at your house, your kids always have to call you <laughs> Canon Dad? That's why true. Why does that happen? <laughs> That's weird. Well, we'll talk about that. My offline. kids, I had that same talk with my kids, and it's like, come on, Daddy, can we do this? I said, why so formal? Why not venerable, sir? But That's right. They, I like that. They didn't find that particularly warm. I or prefer welcoming. Alan. Okay. Hey, here's what I want to do. I, On behalf of the church planner who... I'm sorry if you're listening to this one, but this is good that you're listening to this one. Yeah. We're going to get to something meaty. meaty. we got these provincial officials here. That's right. Can you guys tell us, what's the province doing to help these church planners in the front lines of things? How's that for throwing you under the bus? That's great. I'm so glad I've been here. <laughs> I have to run we'll to see my you next later, meeting. Jack. We'll see you later, Jack. You know, if we had a church planner sitting down right now, they would say, this is great. Well, what's we, going on? Well, we've gifted you with Canon Dan Alger. Who is kind the of the guy, man, by the way? Who is kind of the man? What more for could number, you need? Well, for a number of things, because Dan really is our point person trying to organize each of our dioceses as mission planting networks. So we can't do we can't do what some of the other denominations are doing. You even heard Ed Stetzer in the, his TED talk this morning saying his <laughs> denomination 
That's half our yearly budget. Right. His denomination gave, was it a million dollars to fund yes. eight church plants and only two are standing are still standing Yikes. years, years later. later. Yeah. So money is no guarantee, though I think that that's how a lot of people say, how are you supporting church planting, right. i.e., how are you supporting me personally? Right. Well, what we're doing is we're equipping our diocese to be church planting networks. And Dan is doing a great job of coalescing everybody and moving all of these networks in the right direction, in the same direction. So that takes some time. And actually, that is... Um, that, and that's a commitment in our budget. And thankfully, Alan Hawkins is here. He's the guy who's been helping us lead the charge from the development perspective to be able to do these things. So. It's so good to hear this not from Dan. It's something about hearing it from somebody else. Great. From the yeah. province. So that's actually, we, we, this is familiar stuff. And I bet church planners who are listening go, yeah, this is what they've been saying. The province is for us. Always Forward is, is helping pave the way and support us yeah. on the ground where we're at. Uh, so we believe you. But it's so good to hear from the province from different angles in the province. But we don't want to create a dependency culture, and I think that's kind of what's gone on in some of these other church planting networks. And, you know, you do lose your edge a little bit, you know. So, I mean, I planted a church in Michigan, and I had to be bivocational. It was a challenge, but it kept me in the community yeah. because I was out meeting people. Um, right. I had to meet people by necessity. Um, and that's, that's what happens when we're doing this. I mean, that's the thing. We're all rebuilding from the ground up with all of our church plants and even to the provincial level. <laughs> you know, we're rebuilding. This is a reality of realignment for everybody from the local congregation or a church plant all the way up to the diocese we're rebuilding mm. and all the way up to the province. It is, it is our new reality. So working with the archbishop, what's, what's that like in a... And in a lot of senses, the province kind of can feel like a church plant yeah. on a large scale. What's it like working with the archbishop, and what's his heart for this province plant of sorts? Right. Well, there's only 10 people who are employed by the province, so let's get that out of the way. Dan is four of them. Yes. Alan's three of <laughs> exactly. them. Exactly. Wow. So, I mean, I do a few things. <laughs> just Dan, not in like <laughs> more than me. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> but we all, but th that's see, this is fair. the, this is the reality, not just no, the you're church. you're triple cannon. So there's that's three. That's exactly right. right? That's, that's three. Right, right. So, um, so all of us have to do more than a few things mm. at once. That's just the reality of it. We live into it as a province and we're not doing anything that, that we wouldn't ask our church planters who we know have to sacrifice, our rectors who have to sacrifice, our bishops who have to sacrifice. This isn't the old club. And so... We have to be very creative. So with the small staff team that we have, I mean, this is basically like your normal program-sized church in the old denomination that a lot of us came from. Mm. Um, you know, and we're trying to run a denomination right. with a staff team of 10. It could be so comforting, I think, for church planners who are, who are just grinding it out with very right. little resources to know that their leadership is actually ahead of them doing the very same thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're well, living in very, very similar realities. That's right. Uh, well, that's comforting. Yeah, and, and I say that church planters all the time. I mean, you made reference to it just a little while ago. I mean, we're we're not only planting local churches; we're planting a province. Right. Yeah. Um, we really are. And we're planting so, churches. We're planting dioceses at the same time. We're planting a province. So, yeah, all of those systems are doing similar functions, scrambling for systems and structures mm -hmm. and resources and yep. and and I think that. <clears throat> that that 
process keeps you lean and mean and on the edge. I think when you have a lot, it's, you, your tendency is to rest on your laurels. So we, we just have to be innovative and creative with things. Yeah, absolutely. You're singing to the choir, right, with church planners. Right. You don't got a lot to work with, so you got to kind of do your best with what you've got. Yeah. But, but there's something exciting about being a part of that process because it really does bring mm-hmm. about innovation, and it brings about a sense of deeper community too. I mean, there's, there's, we're, we're not just all uh, a part of the same club and, uh, and receiving the same kind of funding. That, that's not what it is that binds right. us together, right? right? We, have to, we have to reach far beyond that because there is no funding, really, um, to be able to hand out like that. Um, and so, uh, so, so what binds us together is that common mission and that common yeah. uh, identity as Christians primarily and then as Anglican second as well and the mission that we're called to do it together. So, yeah. I, so yes, this is exactly right. So what, when you don't have a lot and you're struggling and you're thinking, am I the only one doing this? What's always before your face, at least as a planter myself, the question that would always haunt me is, why am I doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> the right, why. Right. And, and uh, so to, what, bi- what binds us together is that why in so many ways. And, in fact, here we are at the Assembly 2017, and the, why, the big why is the mission on our doorstep. Right, right, um, right. Talk, would you guys just talk to us about what, for maybe the guys, who, guys and girls who haven't been here, couldn't make it for the Assembly, What's going on with the whole mission on our doorstep thing? What's the big idea? What's the theme? What's the takeaway? Can you talk about that for a second? Archbishop Foley mentioned this at his investiture. <laughs> it was eye-opening, especially where he planted a church himself, where they left their, their former denomination before the Anglican Church of North America came on the scene. But all of that to say, that's the new reality that a lot of our churches in North America are waking up to. So whether you're in Loganville, Georgia, where his church was, or if you're in uh, Montreal or Vancouver, wherever you happen to be, the nations are literally coming to North America. And so he cited a number of statistics which were kind of eye-opening for him as he was preparing for his investiture speech, um, saying a record number of green cards are being issued. All of these people from all over the world are coming to our doorstep. And so that's been ruminating in his heart since he was elected archbishop. And with this first assembly that he's called since becoming archbishop, that was very clearly on his heart. And so his hope is that we're all going to be leaving equipped to reach these people who are coming from all over the world into our communities and hopefully bring them into our churches. If not, we're going to find them in our communities. Right. So, uh, so that's, I mean, that's the, the, the thumbnail sketch of, uh, of, uh, of what we've had in mind for this assembly. I think the byproduct of this as well, uh, I can speak as a former church planter, you need to be with other leaders who get it. Hmm. Because mm. like what you were saying, Sean, sometimes you kind of forget, why am I doing this? This, mm. is, this is very risky. Um, it's, uh, it's exhausting. And you need to be reminded of the why and being in a room full of other leaders who can tell you this is why you're doing this. Or this is, I need to be reminded this is why I'm doing this. I think that's always healthy for a leader. You need to constantly be in places where you can be with other leaders in the totally. same room, Feel a and we less get crazy. it exactly. Right, right, right. We yeah. get it, and yeah. this is—it's a reminder. Uh, it's a reminder, especially because vision leaks. We need—we need to mm. be—we need to be refilled and reminded. So Dan is a broken record in such a great way about this. When we get together with our Always Ford people, in saying you are not alone. Yeah, 
And, and he'll say it a few times to make us feel uncomfortable, but he's driving the point home, and it's true, and we need to, we need I, to hear it. You I know? think Dan's just a little codependent. Yeah. Yeah. I, think it's, you know, I am not alone. I text them late at night, you are not alone. You are not right? alone. But it's so, I, we, we it's joke, but that though. is such a, that is yeah. such a, just the, the announcement of the fact that we are not isolated for church planners is such profound ministry yeah, on us. Yeah, that's like true. We, we know that, but we need to know that. We need to hear it again and again and be reminded of that. And um, and if you need a hug, Ken and Dan will give yep, you a hug. Give you a stop by the I'll stop by the booth. You know, they're five cents. Five cents for a okay. hug. Well, yeah. I thought it was like the Robin Williams scene from Goodwill Hunting. You just kind of oh. say it over can, and over. Yeah. You to are, break you break your alone. church planters down. You are not alone. That's right. You are so back not to alone. less less crazy you things. You are not alone. I, here's <laughs> what I'm observing alone. about the mission on our doorstep yeah. theme is so. And we've heard from the Archbishop about the international community coming to us in some really interesting ways. What's really striking to me is um, how difficult it can be. Like, I live in Austin, and there are pockets of um, different international communities all over town. And it's and you kind of, I find out about them because I drive through them or drive by them and go, oh, man, I didn't realize this community was here. Um, church planners are the kinds of people that can go out and discover these communities and build those bridges and welcome the international community into the fold. Um, and what strikes me in hearing mission on our doorsteps, the international community is here, what the first thing that comes to mind is our church planners are already predisposed. They're your people. They're your folks on the front line saying, we'll build bridges. And certainly there are others, but our tribe is uniquely equipped in, in lots of ways. It's just the way our brains work. It's right. just the way our affections work out. Um, church planting can be such a, a wonderful bridge-building kind of thing for the international community. But you need to be, you actually need to be ready. And I think a lot of this is getting us into that place where you need to be ready. I love the story um, of Sung Chan Ra, who is a pastor. He planted a multi-ethnic church in Boston while he was in grad school. And he said that he knew that he was reaching his community, which at first, this church plant was mostly Caucasian people. But he knew that he was reaching his community um, of the core team where they would have kimchi, if you've ever had kimchi, was a fermented oh, yeah. cabbage oh, stuff. No, oh, come no, on, no, no. But no, no, I'll open your eyes, brothers. It'll be good. We're going to do that later. We'll have a Korean barbecue outing oh, later no. tonight. Mm, Praise the Lord. No. It's okay. It'll be good. Fear no. not, my oh. friends. But anyway, so he's a, his, friend, <laughs> his, his core team um, really loved him because they kept kimchi in their fridge on the off chance that he might be visiting. Wow. If you know anything about kimchi, it smells, mm-hmm. it's got a distinct odor, mm-hmm. and everything in your refrigerator actually mm-hmm. will take on that distinct odor. So his mm-hmm. community took a risk by having their milk and smell. And ruin their refrigerator. Ruin their refrigerator See, and their milk. Yeah, for love. That is risky. For That's love. love. Yes. But that is. But I think that is. Being I would have bought a second refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> well, love. you're not Korean because Koreans have a second refrigerator just for the kimchi. <laughs> for the kimchi. But <laughs> yes, talk about loving your pastor. Talk about loving, yeah, yeah. loving yeah. your, loving the nations that are coming to your doorstep. That's 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 a, that's a welcoming posture, I think. And I yeah. and I think that's the call uh, on our lives as Anglican Church of North America to be open uh, to that possibility. So uh, I don't think that. The, the normal mainstream Christian understands how to practice hospitality. What do you mean by that? I mean that, so I have an example. It's like right now, I have two women who traveled to the U.S. somehow. They got in, um, they're, 
both pregnant. Both their babies were born this week. Hmm. And we're trying to find people who will open their houses to them. Wow. And it's really hard. Because you think about it. If I let a woman who's just had a baby in, that's all night, that's food, that's all the work. And so to practice hospitality, I forget who was sharing, uh, Jeff Chapman was talking about how it's, it sacrifices your alone time, your resources, all that sort of stuff. And so I think the, the conversation about mission on your doorstep and the world coming to us is, is a great one, but it's not going to happen if we don't practice hospitality. So how do we teach people that? How do we make inroads for people there's, to it, take the, those risks? The thing is, there's nothing new under the sun that's already there. There is a wealth of things. So when you look at the monastic orders, the Benedictines, so we have this treasure trove. Um, Michael Nazarali said we're a patristic church. We're more than a patristic church. We have the history of the monastic movement that's also included in that. And so we have to look backward to figure out a way forward. And practicing hospitality is actually relatively something we all have resources to do. We don't have to go find big budgets for things. You just open your lives and you open your homes. And so we have a congregation, a part of our church, that's about 60 to 70 East Africans. Most of them were Pentecostals, not Anglicans. And we started practicing hospitality welcome them into our lives, love them, bless them, help them find jobs and the like. Now there's a full worshiping community, a part of our church, East African, and the leader who I just spoke to about an hour ago is an ordained deacon in the Anglican church. That's amazing. But that was hospitality on many people's part, many people in our church. They opened their lives. They drove people to school. They picked kids up, babysat. They helped people. So... That's how simple it is, and yet that's almost a world apart of the way North Americans live. We live for ourselves, our comforts, our devices, our vacations, not to open our lives to others and let them in. So I'm thinking of a, a typical church planner myself. How do I participate on this mission on our doorsteps kind of thing? And how do, from a church, how do I teach or make inroads for people to practice like risky hospitality, costly hospitality. So you find five to 10 families, people in your church, households, who would actually have a spare bedroom and open their life. And you ask them, will you be ready? Mm. Because if they'll say you're ready, you go out there, there's people in need. Boom. I mean, you have to do discernment. You have to be wise. You don't want to set up someone in a situation that could really hurt, but you also have to set up some boundaries in those things. Yeah, that's so important. But the first step is really the availability. Will people do it? You find people who will do it, the needs are there. There's not a question, especially in a city like Austin. There's not a question about the needs. It's who's willing to say, I'll open my home and my life for others. So one thing that helped us as a church get ready for this was having a fellows program. So it was like a, an intermediate step. We had this fellows program, 10 to 12 kids a year move in. They get hosted by our people for a year. Well, that's pretty uncommon to most people. So then when we started talking about folks from East Africa who are coming in need, we had been practicing hospitality for a while. 
Wow. So I, I'm also thinking of, we've had some experiences like this in our own church, and a, a big part of this that shouldn't go unmentioned is when we as pastors invite our, our folks to host people, um, first of all, we've got to kind of be leading the charge. We've got to be demonstrating that ourselves. We can't ask them to do something we're not willing to do. Exactly. But also, um, there is a, a unique kind of pastoral role of people who are ex, uh, um, extending hospitality that, that look like for me, and I had to learn this, checking in um, with them and like, how's it going? How, how's your health in this hospitality? Exactly. Yeah. Um, how are your boundaries going? How, you know, how can I help you communicate with your guests right. healthy, healthily and not just like some passive aggressive, frustrated ways? Um, so there's like a unique pastoral role in, in uh, overseeing people who are extending that kind of hospitality as well, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes we've, I've talked about this at resurrection, like when, you know, on Sunday we come to the altar and we receive the hospitality of God, mm-hmm. not so that we can just be benefactors, um, but that we can actually extend that same hospitality to right. others. Right. And so go and do likewise. You've been made living members. Now extend this table into the homes, into your own homes, into the neighborhood. And so we call our small groups, table groups for that very reason, actually. Excellent. Um, to kind of extend, to get that idea of extending the hospitality of God into the neighborhood. So I hope um, that's, that's some good quick chat about that. I hope that's helpful for church planners and pastors. That's really good. Yeah. Let's take some calls. Seattle, Let's take some you're calls. on the air. Seattle. <laughs> um, I uh, have a question for... Oh, uh, Here's where it goes off the rails. Dan Alger. <laughs> Who does your hair? Oh, Thank gosh. you. Oh, man. It's that all was down. Dolores it's all from, from yes, Seattle. This is Dolores. Thank you. Oh, man. But, you know, I, I, think, uh, I, I think one of the things that, that we need to always keep in front of us uh, in, in doing this work is how much we've been blessed by a province that creates an environment in which church planters are honored and valued mm-hmm. and yes. supported. I mean, it's, it really is um, it's something that's so easy to take for granted uh, but that things would be much even more difficult than they are now to plant churches if if we had to do this around or against the province that we were a part of. But but rather, church planting has been given priority and has been given emphasis. And like you said, yeah. uh, Jack, it's uh, I mean it's been given priority in the budget. It's been given priority in uh, in staffing. It's 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 uh, to have to have a province that is in support of a movement of church planting across our diocese yeah. and then in our local churches. I mean that's that's huge. That's just it's huge, and it's going to result in the long term. I mean it's already resulted in hundreds of churches being planted. Right. What's what's being accomplished in what God is doing in our midst is really phenomenal. I mean, it's literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches that have been planted. And as we continue to move forward in this, because the province is enabling it, then the diocese are being supported and the local church planters are being cared for. I mean, we're just, that, that trend is going to continue um, for, the, for the long and haul. I think it's the Archbishop, gift. I, I'm not going to even say that because I'm not trying to speak for him. But I think, can I just say, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think he would say to our church planters, mission on our doorstep, presupposes churches, presupposes like congregations who have a doorstep in the first place or, and homes. I mean, we, obviously that's part of the analogy as well, but church planting is kind of uh, not some assumption that goes on with mission on our steps, but is actually kind of part of the, the, the leading edge, the vanguard of mm-hmm. this mission on our doorstep. So this isn't just um, something beside church planting. This is right in, right in, in step with um, the province's push and its value and its appreciation of church planting having this like centerpiece of mission 
Um, nothing new for us. We go about this by church planting, and now we're kind of focusing on the, the, the doorstep of the church in lots of ways, of, of, of these hundreds of churches that have been planted. A lot right. of these in but, neighborhoods that didn't exist before. But you don't know? you think there's something kindred about church planting? I mean, I'm an immigrant myself, so I mean, don't you think there's something kindred to the church planting movement and an immigrant saying, look, oh, sure. I'm yeah. new. Yeah. yeah. Our sure. church is new. Hey. You're new here? <laughs> yeah. So are we. new together. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so, yeah. that's so I true. Mean, I think there's something really exciting about that, trying to harness that. Um, especially in a way that I think a church plant can be way more welcoming than an established tall steeple. You know, this church has been here for a hundred something years. We don't have ways we've been doing things. Well, that's the, <laughs> that's right. but that's, that's that was right. always the that's exciting right. thing about me yeah. as a church, for, as being a church planner, you can never say, well, we've never done it that way before. We've <laughs> right. never done it before. We've never done we've anything before. But let me tell you. We've never done it that way before. <laughs> oh, Dolores. Dolores is back. Dolores is With a vengeance. She's still on. We're going to talk to the... Talk to our producer California. here. Can we hang up on Can Dolores, please? <laughs> Somebody get rid of Dolores. So on sheer numbers no, alone. Alan's back. Yes, I'm back. <laughs> I am back. Um, on sheer numbers alone, our, our operation and mission and project budget gives 10% to church planning. He's a V, the Kennan's office, hmm. and the budget for that. So that's a pretty significant outlay. Yep of investment. We wish it was more. We really do. Um, we also see it's going to be necessary. Your team, Dan, you guys are doing a great job. As our dioceses start to take ownership themselves and model that and do that, um, that will be exciting to watch. So mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. our hope with the investment is. Yep. It's catalytic. That's right. That's right. That's it's going to be so terrific yeah. to oh. use the words for Current president, it's the it's going to be the best. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. We're making church planning great again. So good. Yeah. Oh no. Please. Please. Now I did. I did want to have at our table, but Alan did think it might be a slight dig. I wanted to have purple hats made that said "Make Anglicanism Great Again." Yeah. Yeah. But Alan said no. Big trucker hats? Um, No, just purple ones. White on purple. Purple purple trucker Ah, hats. Purple trucker hats. Next time. No. No. No? Okay. See. Bring Dolores back. Bring Dolores. <laughs> I've got a question. Dolores, Dolores is still Bad here. Idea, everybody. Uh, <laughs> she never leaves. Well, guys, <laughs> guys, Sorry. we're we're thankful that you you stopped by, and we love and, you guys. Uh, and we're we thankful guys. for um uh, for the leadership you're bringing to the province yes. as well, and for advocating for us as well. Um, you know, I think. Uh, even even beyond our times, when all of us are dead and gone, and the ACNA is still here, it's always going to be important for for intentional advocacy for church planting. Because yes. every organization, every single organization, has a tendency to turn inward if there's not an intentionality about being outwards right, focused. Right, right, right. And so, church planting always has to be fought for and advocated for. And uh, we're we're just thankful for you guys very much. And 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 even the local church planters who will be listening to this, who might not know your faces and your names or even what you do necessarily. Um, uh, uh, guys who are out there listening, uh, these these folks are advocating for you, loving you, giving giving you leadership even from afar. So um, pray for Alan and Jack and the rest of our leadership Thank as you well. Very much, Dan. You're not yeah. alone. Church planters, you're not alone either. Let's no. give you a hug. Yeah, you are and now alone. Dan's going to stand and give them hugs on behalf of the church planning community. <laughs> hug it out. Long hugs. Hug it out. Hug it no, out. we're not going to do that. Hug okay. it out. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Rock on. All right, church planters. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Always Forward podcast. Visit us at www.always-forward.com 
for more resources, to submit your questions, or to interact with us. See you next time.